Whether it be in the New South Wales Ranges, Riverside in the Northern Territory, above treeline in New Zealand or Colorado, or in the tundra of Alaska, hunting camp is where the best stories are shared. Join me as I bring some of these stories to you, along with tips and techniques from some of the known and not so well known hunters of Australia and around the world. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Hey guys, welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under, episode number two. Um, been a, a great couple of weeks um, since we let the first episode go. Um, had a great feedback. Uh, it's been it's very humbling to have everyone everyone support um, what I'm trying to do and and uh, and help out where they can. And and uh, the feedback's just been great. It's uh, it's so greatly appreciated and, and um, just fires fires me up to um to keep it going and and get some great content um, to you guys and you know obviously have us all learning and sharing stories and things like that so um we did have a little bit of audio problem last last um last episode so hopefully i'll, I'll fix that this time so um hopefully it's be a little bit better quality so appreciate the patience there so so this week uh, for episode number two we have mick rodolfi um, a lot of you may may know him um, he does a lot with Hunt, Train, Eat. Um, he's certainly a man that knows his way around the gym um, as far as fitness, health, nutrition, and uh, and certainly uh, a very successful bow hunter as well. So the conversation with Mick, we do jump straight into it. Um, I, I press record early and um, the conversation started too well not to not to include it. So I apologise, it, it sort of cuts in mid-conversation, So, um, but you, you'll get the drift and um, yeah, he... Uh, he jumps straight in and um, it's a really good episode. So hopefully get something out of it. So here we go. Episode number two, Mick Rodolfi on the hunting camp down under. Enjoy, guys. The rifle shooting and stuff like that. So um, I didn't really, I knew, I, I sort of knew how to hunt, but I really didn't until I picked up the bow. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, my, my nah, yeah, hunting skills sort of really um, took a leap forward once I picked up the bow because it, uh, sort of, I was shooting, I was shooting deer and stuff with a gun, no worries. But then when I picked up the bow, it took me a good, uh, maybe three years before I got a deer. Yeah, right. And then once I worked it all out, you know, then that they all sort of it flowed on. I was getting, I was getting four, five a year, six a year. <laughs> after that, yeah, <laughs> well, it's just it's working out. Working out what you're doing wrong at the start was the, was the hardest part. All right. How? What, what age were you when you picked up the bow? Um, I was probably 20, 21, I think, yeah, right. 21 or, yeah, roughly around there because I, I remember I went to the Cape and um, for the first time with a bow, when I was about 22, so I must have been, yeah, 21, 22 or something. So, yeah, it was good. I went up there up with Brad Smith up in the Cape and he taught me a heap, so I pretty much went straight in the deep end <laughs> from shooting a couple of goats. A couple of goats and rabbits and stuff like that, and yeah. maybe a fox or two, and then straight up into the into the Cape with um, Brad Smith, and yeah, sort of opened my eyes to everything. <laughs> he sure does, the boy. He's uh, he's good yeah, yeah, he's real good. He's unreal. And I wasn't, I wasn't really into it, so I didn't, I didn't even know who he was until after I got back, you know. And then I asked a few people, and they said, "No, it's, you know, here's his DVDs. Watch these." And <laughs> you started watching his DVDs, and you're like, "Geez, I didn't even know." Just such a cool down earth dude, you know. Yeah, I, I um, I was lucky. We he, he came to the states with us last year, so 
having yeah. him in uh, L camp for ten days, man, it's pretty funny stuff. So, <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's a, it's a good laugh and just just straight down the line. You know what I mean? You just, yeah. <laughs> just tell you if you're doing something wrong, he'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> he's good. He so, come up. Um, I'd done the Cape a couple of times. And then 2015, we we um, I got him to come up with us because yeah, obviously who not, who not better to have come up the Cape with you and brand new blocks and. Mate, it was it was so funny, but it was real good because it was different country even to what he had hunted. So it was like that pumps yeah. and that. So for a for a dollar and dime, and oh well, as far as me, I'm a um, I'm a painter. I've been painting for the last um, sixteen, seventeen years. Started off with my old man earlier in um, my painting career, and now I'm just on the big commercial jobs in the city of Melbourne. And uh, yeah, it pays the bills. Not the not the most ideal job. I'd like to be doing something a bit better. But um, yeah, like I said, it pays the bills and um, gets me out hunting, I suppose. Yeah, that's the guy. Buddy, good coffee down there, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's another thing. <laughs> Trying not to drink too much of that it gets, gets me hyped up for the day. <laughs> oh, you got to get through it. It'd be all that pre-workout from your gym yeah, session sure. in the morning. No, I've, I've actually cut. I've cut most of the pre-workouts out as well. You know, because um, yeah, yeah, just. You don't want to be. You don't want to be too. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot to it, like adrenal fatigue and stuff like that that I've been through in the past, having too much pre-workout and stuff like that. And yeah, I've just gone to um, more natural sort of stuff, like um, fats and stuff. Yeah. To fuel my workouts in the morning. So yeah. Yeah, we might have a coffee or two, but that's about it. Might dive into that a little bit later. That um, yeah, you know, certainly something I want to talk to you about is yeah that you know obviously watch you pretty closely on Instagram and that, and you know talk a lot about food and stuff. So. Um, one for being, you know, yeah, yeah. training myself and that kind of stuff too. And, you know, it's always a struggle, especially when you are busy. It's, you know, different foods and what to touch and what not to touch. So, we'll... Um, oh, 100%, to- yeah. Well, I've, um, I've oh, yeah, I've done pretty much every diet known to mankind. Like, I've researched it and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, anything you need to know, you can, you can ask me. Do you think it's more... Do we get caught? Do you think it's more... Everyone says a diet... It's more of a lifestyle change, I think. Oh, 100%. Well, a diet, so people go on a diet, right, and they lose, they've got a set amount of weight they want to lose, 15 kilos or something. So they go on this strict diet that they've, they've bought a plan off the internet or something like that. And then once, that, once they lose that 15 kilos, what happens? They don't know what to do. They don't, they don't continue with their diet. They just go back to their normal life, and then the weight just goes straight back on within months. Like within a month, the weight's all back on. So they've they spent 12 weeks losing the weight. Within four weeks, it's back on. So they've spent all this money on uh, programs or whatever, and a PT or something like that. Whereas if you find foods that agree with you, are healthy, and they're, they're tasty, they're not the bland stuff that people think you need to eat, you can eat that every day, and you'll gradually lose weight over time. You don't want to do it in 12 weeks. You want to do it in six months slowly over time that's likely to hold off a lot longer too if it, i guess if it's taken six months to come off you know i guess in uh in a mass way it would take potentially if you stop there it takes six months to come back on but um I, I always found the diet just the diet's got an end point you know there's always a finish finish date to a diet yeah there's always a finish line exactly right yeah mm. yeah 100 yeah, that's um yeah go for it yeah mate yeah, that's, I, I agree. Like, everyone does a diet and they've got like a, a set point. They've got a, 
I've got to be this lean for my birthday, for Christmas, or, you know, my wedding. But then after, what happens, you know, it's just, it just ends and they, they don't know what to do. They, they, they draw a blank and they just go back to their normal life, eating the normal foods they used to do. Whereas if you, like I said before, if you find if you find foods that you like that are healthy and uh, balanced meals, that's all you need to really do. People overcomplicate it and they, they, they go too deep too quick. Whereas if you just eased into it slowly, it would be much more beneficial for everyone if they just found foods that they enjoyed that are healthy and balanced, and they'll eventually lose weight. We obviously, you know, we love the gym and things, and as I said, I, you know, I watch you closely on Instagram, and um, I, I love the gym as well. You know, you try and get in, you know, three good sessions a week uh, mixed in with with everything else, um, but you don't have yeah. to be a gym junkie, you know, to, to get the benefits out of just eating well. I think overall, I think it's, it's a good lifestyle change. It's not just a you know looking at the weight or you know in the mirror. I think it's you know it, you've got to group it all in. I think. Oh, hundred percent. Like when I first ever decided that I wanted to change my life, I was I was well over hundred kilos, and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to change my diet first because my diet was very poor. I was it was like real terrible. So then I just started. I found some healthy foods that that I liked, and I stuck to them every day, pretty much. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I didn't change much in my meals, you know? Yeah. And I went from 107 kilos to, like, in the high 80s, 88 kilos, just yep. from food alone before I even touched the weight. So definitely diet's um, a massive part of it. Just rough time frame that had happened, and, and I know we're, we're sort of jumping right into this straight up, but it does yep. fascinate yep. me a lot because – you see in the gym and the different conversations, uh, workmates, all those kind of things, you know, everyone's got their little different idea. But, you know, I think you and I probably changed changed our ways at a similar time frame and, and, and can see the benefits of it pretty quickly. What Just on the diet side of things, how quick do you see a change with your body, you know, your body shape, type, et cetera? Uh, nowadays, with the amount of um, activity I do, like I can I – can change my, my body within a matter of weeks like one week two weeks I, I, because I know exactly I'm pretty I'm pretty particular with my food at the moment but um I used to count calories so I could I could drop 500 um, calories a day and and I, I could lose the one kilo a week two kilos a week if I wanted to depending on the activity level if I wanted to throw some cardio in or not but with my body I tend to like Especially with carbohydrates, I tend to just um, get really round, and I can put on, I can put on lots of weight. I remember a trip to Thailand in a week. I put on ten kilos just to just <laughs> cut out my normal diet and went went to a normal, just a normal diet the normal people eat. But yep. um, I can eat a lot too, obviously. But um, yeah, just with a lot of carbs, I just hold like a lot of water and go really round, and I just completely change with within that. Within a week, I was a completely different person. He looked at me and said, who is this, who is this guy? And so from what you left, I was you feel terrible as well. I just said, I mentally, oh, yeah. take, I mentally take check a week out to recover after or something like that. Yeah. 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 Mentally, mentally, definitely, it, it takes its toll. Um, I had some, I've had some trouble with like irritable bowel syndrome and stuff like that, which plays its toll mentally as well because you're always feeling sluggish, bloated and stuff like that. And that was due to 
um, in my early years, just eating eating badly, like eating really bad. Uh, like I, I can't remember in my early late teens, early twenties. I can't remember really not having junk food um, any day of the week. Really, oh, it was just yeah, pizza for dinner, McDonald's for smoko, and breakfast was stopping getting Maccas or um, the bakery, getting a pie or something. So. Yeah. Typical tradie diet, really. Good, I wasn't in a good way. Yeah, pretty much typical tradie diet. So mm. I know how it feels. I know, I know exactly how people feel, and they don't know how good they can actually feel until they've actually gone and changed their diet first. Without the training, training aside, just the diet is just amazing. I got really caught out um, or caught a few years ago, but, you know, playing footy, uh, rugby league up here, um, you know, playing a lot, a lot of league, and then there was you know your different sports through the summer, and you're you know you're hunting as much as you could, and it's before kids and those kind of things. I really got caught out when that stopped. You know, I made the decision I think back in 2012 to stop playing footy, you know, for various reasons, um, and I, I couldn't eat what I used to eat back then. But now knowing what I, I should have been eating, I probably would have been a lot fitter and a lot quicker. Um, you know, recovery and those kind of things. If I just had a known a little bit more, um, I think. I mean, it's it's right in front of us these days. I think everywhere you look at social media and those kind of things, they're all pushing the healthy stuff down our neck. But it, you really do. I think age thing. You know, we're not old by any means. You know, we're we're still very very young. But even today, you know, we 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 see that difference. You know, with the you know with a healthy lifestyle, it, it can change everything really quickly. Oh no, for sure. Like within within um, days, even once you start eating healthy and you, you get those proper nutrients in your body, and then and you're done and you're doing physical activity, you feel the difference. Like for me, for me, I noticed the most when I actually when I was hunting. Like so, um, my normal diet when I was hunting was just back in the day was just muesli bars and um, uh, tinned tinned food and stuff like that, braised steak and onion and all that sort of stuff. So it was just uh, a lot of processed um, junk. It would give you a lot of energy for a very short period of time. You'd, you'd burn through it and then you, you're looking for more food or you're, you're pretty much um, gassed. You, you just, you got no energy. Whereas the slow burning, the slow burning uh, fibrous veggies and stuff like that, that you're going to give you energy over a long period of time, some lean meats and stuff, which I, I do now. I'm, I've got energy all day. I get up in the morning and I can pretty much go to the gym for two hours with no food in my system, and I've got a, I've got plenty of energy. That's awesome. Uh, there's, a, mean, there's a massive difference. The whole, um, you know, the whole, I guess, the industry as well. You know, watching, you know, the not to name drop it, you know, the Cameron Haynes and all those kind of guys. They they have done wonders for the sport, but you know, they still get a little bit of criticism in the way of you know, you don't need to be. You know, super fit or run a marathon to hunt, but you know, we're, I guess we're just talking about you know general, just being healthy at life, and, and it just so happens to be that you know we, we love our hunting, and I guess we're pushing ourselves to you know more extreme 
extreme is probably not the word to use, but, you know, these more physically challenging hunts, you know, uh, yourself in New Zealand. And I know we've got a, you know, we've both got a few different ones coming up, but I, I think I, I find myself even just happier at work. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, you seem to be able to put up with a lot more. And um, I certainly don't have a physical job. I'm, I'm a real estate agent, uh, stock and station, but, you know, just being able to mentally, you know, put up with the ups and downs, you know, it's, a, it's a, just amazing. I, I I can't push how enough it is if anyone's out there thinking they're going to try and, you know, improve their lifestyle. I, I just can't I can't push enough on how much that, that diet can do it. Oh, 100%. Um, gut health is a, um, is a massive contributor in a lot of things. And if you have a look at like, um, even depression and all, and all that sort of stuff, anxiety, um, once, they, once you get your gut health in check, a lot of, that, a lot of those symptoms are alleviated and um, they can pretty much be um, – a lot of people just go straight for the easy option of taking some sort of um, statin drug, you know, like antidepressant or something like that. But if they actually thought about their diet a lot better and got their gut health in check, they wouldn't need any of that. Yeah, they wouldn't need any of that sort of stuff. But um, as far as you're saying, you know, like you don't, you definitely don't need to lift weights and run hills and stuff like that to be a good hunter. However, you you don't need mud tires on your four wheel drive to get out of the bush. You don't need a lift kit. You don't need an exhaust. You don't need a snorkel. Your four wheel drive, plain and simple, standard off the factory will still get you to your hunting spots. But all the other accessories help. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. All that helps. You spend all this time, hunters spend all this time, uh, archers, in, like we'll say bow hunters, right? They they make sure the arrows are weighed perfect. Their broadheads are razor sharp. They've got five-inch veins on to, stable, to stabilize the, the two-blade broadhead up front. But then the, they do all that, but they don't pay any attention to their health or fitness. That's what I don't get. Like, their, their setup's perfect. Their camo's on point. But then they'll be happy to just go and get a pizza for dinner, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not hating on it because I've done it before. But I'm saying this because I've been at both ends of the scale. Yeah. I've been that guy that, that eats the was eating the pizza while he's chewing his bow, that's, you know, drinking the beer, that's having the cans of Coke for a smoker. I've been there, I've done that. So I'm not saying this because I grew up the way I am now. I'm saying this because I grew up in the other end of the scale. Mm. No, that's good. I mean, you know, you, right. you're speaking the truth, and and and, and you know, as I said before, you know, I've been there as well, and you know, and, and still working on it, still a still a progress, probably always will be, and you know that you know mixing it up with life and you know everything that gets thrown at you as well, and I, I find you know having goals and and that just so happens to be their uh, their hunting goals, you know. Um, I know you've just come back from a from a trip in New Zealand, and uh, I want to get into that very shortly, but you know, I've got. Ibex coming up in for anyone that doesn't know I drew an Ibex tag in in New Mexico for January and you know straight away you know you you got to step things up you you know you want to make the absolute most out of it um I went to New Mexico last year chasing elk um you know we we got it done but you know I could really see areas that I could really improve and and that got me started more or less when I came back I I went away for a wedding come November last year and, and I wasn't happy with myself and my wife was the same you know we just we just weren't happy we we're unhealthy and um, you know I think I could have done better on the hunt in, in last September and then so December 1st it was it was I jumped on and did exactly what you said before you know started the diet started training and 
you know, I, I think I dropped eight kilo in eight weeks. I, you know, it was it was coming off yeah, my yeah. front and center, and I plateaued out. You know, and and now it's more just you know, it's a it's a fitness thing now. It's you know, it's how far you can push it and showing those little signs of improvement. But I've found setting goals. You know, I've got this big one coming up September again for the for the elk. And do you find that you know with your New Zealand and that kind of stuff that really helps you with your focus? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like if you if you've got a goal, if you've got a goal, especially like a, a big hunting trip like NZ or your Ibex. And you you can set your mind to training for that. That's you're unstoppable because you you're not gonna you're gonna you're gonna feel like you failed yourself if you go there and you gas out. You know and you can like what, what could I have done more? But if you go there and you're you're pumping up those hills and you know you're not you're not gassing out every every five ten meters and stopping for a break and that just ruins your hunting trip. You know you want to be prepared. You're going into these big big adventures. Uh, like unprepared and if, if you're unprepared you you know you just you, you're not going to succeed as as like you, you will definitely you could succeed obviously a lot of guys do but um you want to give yourself the best chance especially on those sorts of hunts to um to just get it done yeah definitely you know you don't want to come back and, and as i said as much as i got it done last september i, I knew i could have done it better you know and and uh yeah, that was that was a thing, and and I think I I possibly would have. It's hard to say that I didn't enjoy it. I did. It was you know the best time of my life so far. But there, as I said, there was just those little assets that I thought I, I you know if I had to just spend that little bit fitter and those kind of things that would have been a little bit easier. And it's just funny how those kind of things play on your mind. So, um, you saw you know just slightly moving on. You know what would be what's your ideal training week? You know, no interruptions. Um, starting Monday morning, and just working through the week. You know, what just on an average week, what's sort of your ideal week of training? Uh, my ideal week of training is so I pretty much just focus on strength training at the moment. So I just do pretty much like your normal bro split, as, as I'd say. So like bench press and legs, and but I'll, I'll train them twice, pretty much twice a week. So I'll do, um, I do, I probably do Saturday and Sunday as well. So I'll do. Um, on Mondays I'll do chest and then legs and then uh, shoulders, back. But then I'm, I'll throw in a couple of afternoons here and there, yep. and do the, do each body part twice, and yep. or Saturday and Sunday. And then on the weekends I'll um, so Saturday morning I'll do just my cardio. Yep. And then Sunday I'll probably chuck in some cardio and um, whatever other body part I haven't trained twice. But um, yeah, that's at the moment. So, but usually, like if I'm if I'm sort of just um, just cruising, I'll just do one one body part per day each day. So chest, um, back, legs, arms, and, and so forth. But um, leading up to a trip, it's um, totally different. Just your cardio step up at a certain time frame before a hunt, like especially say New Zealand, using that as oh example. yeah, yeah. How far out? Yeah, hundred sort of percent. Oh, so like this last last for New Zealand, the six weeks I started, yeah. I really stepped it up for the cardio. So, but it was um different cardio. I wasn't running on the treadmill or anything like that. I was um doing a lot of like um, we got stairs at like stairmaster. I was doing some stairmaster, but we got actual stairs that lead up to a mezzanine where all the cardio equipment um is at the gym. So I'd have some heavy kettlebells and a weight vest, and I'd run up. I sort of do a fast walk up there and back down the other side and then back up and do sets of that. Um, I was doing some like sled pulls and sled pushes um, in the CrossFit room. 
So I'm just stacking up a, a sort of a sled and you push it along this carpeted area. So just a lot of explosive sort of movement yeah. instead of just a just standard cardio. So I was building up some strength and conditioning at the same time, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And I, I guess yeah. I can hear that sort of a, a pretty good mix as well. You know, you're still pushing that strength thing. So if you're you're packing, you know, you obviously got to pack and that kind of stuff on. So um but yeah, you've still got the explosive yeah. stuff to it's not to you know, you're not gonna run up the hills, but it's just that it's the reaction in the nerve ends to you know, under I guess under stress you can you can still function. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And if you shoot, like if you're lucky enough to shoot something, you got to there's a bit more weight in your pack, and you know you you might have to go down and then back up another another mountain and back down another one. So you want you still want to be able to have some strength instead of just the cardio. Cardio is good. You, you definitely have the cardio, but you want you want the strength as well. You don't want to lose it all just burning yourself out doing cardio. No, for sure. I mean, moving. Move into New Zealand. Um, I know we come, we called up a couple of weeks ago. And we had a conversation, and uh, and I noticed you made a post post on it as well. Obviously, you had an awesome yep. time in there. And how did you feel going into the hunt? And looking back on it now, you know, how do you feel coming out of it? Oh, going into the hunt, I was like um, probably the fittest I've been in a long, long time, um, and probably the healthiest too because I. I'd switched my, my whole, uh, it wasn't just the training, I switched, it was my diet as well. So I went to a more of a ketogenic diet. Um, for, for the people that know, don't know, a ketogenic diet is more, um, in, instead of burning glucose, sugars, carbohydrates and stuff as fuel, as a normal person does these days, I switched it to just fats. So my body ran off fats and fats were my carbohydrate, so to speak. So I, the, I'd eat fat for fuel. And, um, yeah, I found that really beneficial because I, I wouldn't, I'd go on a hunt, I'd leave early morning, first light, and I'd be walking for at least four hours without any food. So, and without, and no energy loss or nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was burning, I was burning the fat, my, my own body's fat or, or the fat I ate the night before. So, yeah, yeah that was just, uh, and I was no, there was no cravings and stuff like that. And it made easier for me to, um, carry food so i didn't have to carry that much just a couple of um pieces of salami and some mixed nuts yeah okay yeah something simple i mean yeah so that was um yeah so yeah exactly right that was the and um i don't know if you saw that uh, one of the photos that product i had was that amp v yeah i did yeah it's just a yeah it's just um some really cool dudes here in australia that made these products um really smart guys and that's just a blend of essential oils and just gives you a really good um, boost when you're on in the ketogenic state. So, yeah, I was, I was real happy with that stuff. So I just happened to have, a, have some of that with my food and I just kept going. So I, would, I could be out like all day from like sun up to sundown with just a handful of mixed nuts and some salami and I was good to go and just have a good good meal when I got back to, get back to camp. That's awesome. I guess um, tell us a little bit about the hunt. You... Um... I heard you had a few close calls, and you you, you certainly spotted stuff. Yeah, you spotted. You were chasing bull tar, correct? Yeah, well, yeah, I was chasing tar. Um, the first day, first afternoon, I got there. It's um, I got there about two o'clock in the other. So I sort of I went for a quick hunt just um behind camp, and I came across some red deer. Uh, sort of, a, I think it was a ten point stag. 
and just uh, about four or five hinds. But um, yeah, I didn't see any tar the first day, and then when the rain came in, and you pretty much you, you couldn't leave camp for the next two days. So I lost two days hunting there, and then and then the snow came in. And I got a real heavy dump of snow that night after the rain stopped. So when I woke up, I was just everything was white, <laughs> and because I hadn't really explored, I hadn't had a, had time to like explore the place. I didn't know where to go, so I sort of sort of felt my way through the place, and um, I didn't know why I was stepping on because everything was covered in snow. So I made it real hard, and then the snow started to melt. All the rocks were, um, all the rocks were wet, and then the, the, when the shade would hit the rocks, it turned to ice. So making the climbs up was just, uh, it's just you'd hit a, you'd hit a rock and you just you'd be ass over and you'd start sliding down the hill. So you're in, yeah, you're after in, a few of those, you're in guys are in fjord land, is that right? No, I was down um, near Mount Cook. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, I was, I was in that area and. Um, yeah, so just made it hard. The first, the first three days were just um, unbearable for, for weather-wise, and then it got better after that. And oh yeah, I had a I had a few really close calls. Like I got into position waiting for some bull tar, but I couldn't see him over the bluffs. And um, yeah, so I went, I, so shimmy down back down one of the ridges to um, get get into a better position, and a bull tar came out right where I was. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, a few other times I spent uh, hours and hours stalking up on them and just the wind would would uh, give me in or, you know, they'd see me because not, there's not a lot of cover there. It's pretty much it's all open sort of stuff. You just need to use the lay of the land as, you, as, uh, as a stalking sort of, as you're stalking in. So, yeah, you get you get caught out a fair bit. But from a, I've hunted New Zealand before and... Um, it was a long time ago. It was probably about eight years ago the last time I hunted um, NZ, but that was for Reds and Fellow. Yeah, okay. And um, I pretty, I pretty much um, the reason why I haven't probably been back is sort of um, it was a pretty sore point for me because when I first went to NZ is when I was probably at my least fittest stage. And it sort of it crushed me. Like I'm telling you, telling you now, it crushed me the NZ and I was only hunting the, the smaller smaller mountains for the for the reds and fallow and I sort of left a, a sour taste in my mouth because I thought to myself, you know, I don't want to go back there and and come back feeling the way I did. As you said, you know, you've been on trips before and you come back and you think, oh, what could I have done different? Well, that trip there, I, I didn't do anything right. I was just, I'd be glass and fallow and I was thinking, I just don't want to go up there. Just, I don't know, I'm not going to make it. And that's, um, and this trip really opened my eyes, and now I found a new love for the place. Like this trip here, because I handle it so well, I just I can't wait to get back. I'm trying to already um, work out with work how I can get back there again this year. There's always that work. It's a it's a terrible word that. Yeah, always work. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got to be honest. You know, it, it's what's intimidated me. I think is is probably the. You know the the uh, extremity of it. You know the steepness and the the size of it. Yeah. Um, but you know I'm slowly getting there. Talking to you guys and a few of the other boys that just absolutely crave it. Um, it I think the bug's growing. Um, and I think you know I probably throwing myself straight into it, uh, as I said with this ibex hunt. So um, hopefully I might find a find the mountain bug for. 
you know, the, the goats, so to speak. And, um, you know, I love the sheep. You know, I love all the species of sheep and stuff, and that's all that's all a dream. But, yep. um, yeah, I think next year New Zealand could be on the cards, I think. I think it's going to have to be done. could be a dangerous trip oh, if I get a bug. It is. It is, that, um, it is uh, very daunting to think about it. And But when you when you get there and you just see, see the place, it's so – it feels untouched. It feels prehistoric. It's just like – you're there and you're like look at this place you know you, you you when you're looking around at the mountains and you're just walking through the creeks and stuff looking up you're just like this place is unbelievable and you start climbing and it's hard it is hard it takes it, it takes it out of you it takes the will out of you and sometimes you just sit there you've been climbing for two hours you're not near the top and you sort of sit down look back down the mountain and you just think what the hell am i doing <laughs> but when you when you when you're done the day's hunting and you're just like man i can't wait to get back out next morning you know it's it was hard as hell, and you you trashed, and you. By the time you get back to camp, your your feet are freezing cold, your hands are all numb and and cramping up and stuff. But you think, man, it's just, I just can't wait to get back out tomorrow morning. But I just I just want to do it again because you know that you found some car. You know, you're like uh, I got close uh, tomorrow. They didn't see like they didn't see me, so tomorrow I, I might be able to get them closer. And it's just um, it's an addictive thing. Like it's just the it, it, some of the positions you get in and you climb when you're climbing, you just you really do think, what the hell am I doing here? I should, no human should be climbing this, but um, yeah, man. Like, if you can, if you can get over there and experience it, it's, uh, it'll open your eyes to a, a whole, whole different, different world of hunting. I get keener as we speak, just listening to it. Um, I think. Oh, uh, uh, I'm getting myself keen. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, we we strive for. Uh, we like definitely. hurting ourselves, I think. I don't know what it is. It just uh, oh yeah, there's always this yeah, yeah. something out there that pushes us. Well, you you feel you feel a sense. You wouldn't want to go there. You wouldn't want to go to NZ and sort of uh, get one. You know, on the first morning, it would just you need to. I think I think it's good that I didn't shoot. I came close. Um, I, I, I'm happier that I didn't get one. So then the next trip, you know, or even if I don't get one the next time. The next one after that, I won't stop until I get one. But um, it just make it that that much sweeter, you know. The reward, like look at look at Doug and and Tony, you know, um, they've they've been pioneers over there. And as far as I'm concerned, in New Zealand for bow hunting, bow hunting wise, and you know, they, they they've done the hard yard. It took them a long time before they they got animals on the ground. But look at look at Doug's last trip, man. The, the animals he got, like all credit to him, man. He put in the time. And and he's ripped the rewards. There's two fine trophies, monster chamois and an awesome, awesome tar. So, I think this year's everyone must be sort of you know, and you, I think you just nailed it on the head. You know, everyone's been putting in the hard yards, and um, you know, I know Benny Solaris and you know, and, and Corey Nash. They they did, had an unbelievable trip. Like I. You know, the photos coming in that trip was just unbelievable. And I think everyone's, you know, oh, yeah. starting to get it dialed, you know, and, and, and it's typical of of a bow hunter, I think, and uh, and especially a passionate one. You know, you're just always trying to just work on that little bit of, you know, it's, you know, skill and, and as you said, fitness and, uh, and this, you know, keep chipping away at it. It's certainly something, you know, there's obviously plenty of times that we've had luck and it just all comes together really quickly, but... You know, I think New Zealand sort of, you know, it, it challenges that. That's for sure. 
Oh yeah, it's definitely yeah, mature. It challenges every aspect of of your hunting. <laughs> every aspect that you you can think of, it, it challenges it because uh, it was cold, cold nights. So you're getting up and you're freezing cold, you know, and going out in pitch black and everything's icy, uh, the hills are steep, uh, the animals are switched on, they've got a much better vantage point than you. So it's just, and you, your shooting has to be on point because you might be having to take a, a fairly, fairly uh, substantial shot at one because there's, there's just no room to move there. It's not like you can think, oh, um, like on fallow, oh, I can just stalk in this extra 20 metres. Sometimes you, 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 you're stuck. You're stuck there and you got to, you got to be able to shoot out to that, that 50, 55, 60 meter mark, you know? Yeah. So it challenges everything from your, your stalking ability to your shooting ability to your will to, uh, to, to get up those mountains. <laughs> so hard when it's cold too. That this makes it so much harder to get out of the town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> looking back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Looking back, is there anything you changed from the last trip? Is there, is there something you're really going to work on, you know, moving, moving forward to the next one? Um, looking back, uh, probably, uh, no, no, not really. I, I, got, I pulled out all the stops, like pretty much, um, with this one. So, and assessing my performance in, in the mountain, um, this trip, I wouldn't change. I'd do the same sort of routine as far as, um, as far as my fitness goes and probably the diet as well. I'd go back into it, um, into the same, same sort of diet, just running off fat. So I just, wouldn't have to carry as much food. Um, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change much. Maybe some, a little bit, a little bit of different sort of gear and stuff like that. I'd, I'd get some better quality stuff, like gloves. My gloves sort of didn't um, didn't cope so once I got wet. So I'd probably get some some better gloves because my hands really cramped up, especially holding the bow and stuff like that, and then trying to grab onto rocks and stuff. Yeah, just maybe just some little little equipment gear changes, and that's about it. Uh, apart from that, I, I really enjoyed it. If you don't want me asking, what boots do you wear? Uh, I got some Scarpers. Yeah, okay, yeah, I oh, know that's a, a yeah Scarper. Um, yeah, um, Active Line. They're um, uh, one of the higher end sort of yeah Scarpers. I know it's a very open-ended, yeah, no. or very long-winded topic, the old boots. But yeah, it's just interesting to know, you know, that those kind of hunts really sort of test that stuff out. Of, I'll just grab a set of um, crispy, crispy summits. I was just going to try this year, so they've been good so far. They're a lighter weight thing. They're not probably not yeah. something I'd take to New Zealand, but um, yeah, elk in September and yeah, yeah no, a few local hunts. Um, yeah, I'm just going to give them a go. So. Yeah, no, the Scarborough, I tried on a few um, different pairs um, of boots before I found these ones that actually, because um, I've got a fairly big foot, a size 13, but they're um, they're not overly wide. So a lot of the a lot of the shoes I was, uh, a lot of the boots I was trying on were sort of more for a wider foot. Yep. So I was slipping around a bit, and that's definitely not what you want. You don't want to be sliding. You want them to just like grab your foot and not let it go, you know. So if you're sliding around in a boot in New Zealand, you're going to be up for a lot of pain. Yeah, oh, there's nothing worse. I mean, it starts at the feet, if you ask me. So, you can work on, you can work on everything else. That's for sure. Do you wear? Um, yeah, do you wear, yeah. So, um, you're out Do you do you wear down? Like, do you have a down jacket or anything for like for camp and that, or like what? What's just a basic? Yeah, I had a down jacket. You? Yeah, yeah, I had a uh, down jacket. So I had, um, I was wearing all my tusk gear. I had, so I had some merino wool um, thermals. Mm-hmm. A two hundred and a two sixty uh, rating, and 
yeah, I had the Tusk um, camo. That performed really well. I was pretty happy. That's all I wore. So I had the Tusk um, hoodie as um, a mid-layer, and I had the, the Tusk um, bold jacket as um, the top layer. And, um, yeah, I just had some uh, rain gear that I got from Cabela's. Not overly expensive stuff because rain doesn't really annoy me that much. And um, the Tusky sort of repels most of the rain. That Just if it got really heavy, I just had some Cabela's um, rain gear. And um, as far as down jacket, I just had a, um, what did I have? A um, Kathmandu, um, yeah, okay. it was 800, yep. 800 grand down or something like that. So, yeah, just I never really wore that. I only wore the, the down jacket around camp because I run fairly hot too because I, I, I don't know, my body just runs hot. So I don't I don't feel the need that, that I needed that much um, warm clothes. So yeah. just ran with my camos most of the time. So I have. I'd have three layers on when I'd left. I had the um, base layer um, and the hoodie and then the, the jacket. And I'd, within 30 minutes, I'd, I didn't even have the jacket, the base layer and the jacket, and that's it for the whole day. Okay. Yeah. And it was yeah. cold. It was really cold. <laughs> I suppose, you know, especially in those hills, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're certain some energy, that's for sure. So it's going to keep... Oh, yeah. Moving. Once you start moving, it does. Yeah, for sure. You've you've obviously done a bit of travelling uh, with your hunting, obviously New Zealand, but I I believe you did you do Argentina or something like that a couple of years ago? Yeah, me, um, Casey McCallum, yeah, yeah. So about two years ago, I think me, um, Benny Solaris, um, Casey McCallum, and my girlfriend Carla, we all went over to um, Argentina. So um, yeah, hunting blackbuck. Uh, that was an awesome, awesome trip. Like just. Uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff happened that was just added to the trip that um, would be probably better if we avoided it. But it happened, and it's sort of like looking back on it now, it's um, it's good for a story. You know? <laughs> it's real good for a story. But yeah, that that place that place is awesome. Like I loved hunting over there for the black buck. There, um, you say New Zealand's um, physically demanding. Um, hunting black buck with a bow in Argentina was the most mentally challenging experience of my life for as far as hunting goes that's where i was sort of going with that question i was just about to throw that again you've done it for me is yeah how do you, you know obviously they're very two different you know destinations i suppose you say and, and and obviously species as well but um yeah that's cool i mean one's mentally and probably one's the other's mentally and physically i suppose yeah, yeah and um it wasn't i wasn't very physically challenging um argentina a lot of flat country with just slight undulating hills, but um, yeah, the, the black buck were in the open, and uh, bow hunting in open country don't go hand in hand. So, uh, and the, the the ground was covered in uh, a thorn called the Rosetta thorn. So, when you knelt down, like I'm talking blanketed with this these thorns. So, when you knelt down, you just get hammered with these thorns, and they go straight through anything you're wearing into your skin, and so you had to crawl in the open with all these all these thorns and you just I was pulling the thorns out six months after out of my knees six months after the trip so that's a that's a bad bad place was riddled with this stuff so yeah that was just um, I had some really close calls with those really like really close and a lot of bad luck but um, yeah it's another trip I'd love to do and I've been actually um, speaking to a a few people to uh, try and get back over there so that might be on the cards next year after after New Zealand, of course. But yeah, 
You're probably nearly, uh, nearly going to answer me question, but what's the dream hunt in your eyes? What's uh, what's one that's on the list that you know you, you eventually want to get to in your oh. career? A uh, dream hunt for me, um, yeah, I want to do America. I want to, I want to do a whitetail and um, an elk. So, yeah, that's, that's probably my dream. If I can get get those two over there, I'd be really happy. Well, we can definitely sort that out. That's no worries at all. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Um, they've been on the cars for a long time, but everything else just seems to pop up. And you know, you got a fallow rut and, you, and, and red rut here in, in in Australia, and you do that, and then. After a few other trips, you, you're pretty much, you know, <laughs> trying to play catch up for the rest of the year. After you spend most of the money on those, those the start of the year, and then, it, and then you know, um, the America, in America, they got that season. So yeah, yeah, you've either got to uh, do one hunt earlier in the year and save for for the the later later years. But um, yeah, that's definitely uh, on the cards for me in the next next couple of years. Definitely. They're a dream animal for me, the white tail and, and the elk. It's definitely dangerous. It's another bug. I'm going to do, uh, I've got a, oh, yeah. another episode coming up soon that uh, I'm going to break down uh, from an Aussie's point of view of how we can get, you know, doing the states with the elk and those kind of things. I've been fortunate enough to do a few times, heading over the fourth time this year. And it really is yep. a, like it's very easily done. Um, so, someone on a budget or someone that, you know, the, the budget's not as important. Um, there's all different opportunities there. Some that are, you know, that have a really good success rate, and in others that you know are a bit tougher. But the adventure's still there. So I'm going to break that down, and um, you know that'll be sort of one to look out for because I, I think it'll help out a lot of us. Um, you know, with the elk and the whitetail and the seasons and your mule deer and all that. So um, yeah, keep a lookout for that one. Oh yeah, for sure, I definitely will because, um, like I said, I'm keen. Definitely keen on, on those, so um, I'll be uh, I'll be picking your brain as as to how I can get over there and do it as, as cheap as possible because that's fair enough. You could you could just get a a guide or something over there, but you're paying you're paying big big money, you know, and and for for the most working people over here, it's just it's so hard. It's so it's, you just can't afford it. You can't afford it. So yeah, the cheapest option would be the best, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, and it, there's hunts over there that you really do have a chance of, you know, shooting a solid, you know, solid class animal and, um, you know, and, and not much more than a plane flight. So, um, yeah, I, I will jump into that and, and it is a little bit of a, a long-winded topic, but, um, yeah, we'll break that down. And um, But anyone, you know, has obviously got any questions, you know, anyone can hit me up. Um, I'm more than happy to help out there. So um, I'm very passionate about it over there and, it worries me a little bit when I hit New Zealand because it could be another one. So I think the wife. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm telling you, it, it will. <laughs> yeah, no, New Zealand will get you. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, mate, thank you very much for your time. Um, you've, yeah, you've certainly got me inspired to uh, to keep at it, um, get to New Zealand. But uh, in general, just no you know, keep working on the. On the healthy lifestyle, and you know, I can certainly see a few few things that I've picked up just talking to you. And um, I'll, I'll thank you for your time. Yeah, no problem. Like, and I'll just finish on like, if anyone um, wants any sort of advice on um, training nutrition, they they can. I'm easy to find on social media. 
so they don't hesitate to ask questions because I know how it is. I started off by myself. Like I taught myself everything pretty much, just reading, um, listening to the podcast and stuff like that. So I know how hard it is. And if I, it would have been much easier if I had someone to actually point me in the right direction, but I didn't. So I spent a few years like sort of, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, you know, with nutrition and training. So if anyone wants to reach out and, and ask a question or anything like that, I'm always open. Always, I'll always reply to you and um, help you out as best as I possibly can. Now oh, that's awesome, mate. And yeah, everyone, look, jump onto that. You know, that's uh, a wealth of knowledge there, and you know, it's it. Um, it can, any little bit can help, I think. You know, and even if it's just a starting point, you know, if you haven't trained or you know, you're older in age or anything like that, like it, it all helps. So, um, you know, no, good on you, Mick. That's that's awesome, mate. No worries, mate. All right, mate, thanks again, and um, we'll no doubt talk to you again soon. No worries, thank you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hunting Camp Down Under. Send me a direct message with any general questions or further information on any of the topics that were discussed during the podcast. Or if you have a great story to tell and would like to share it, be sure to hit me up. I'd love to have you on the podcast. You can also email me at huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com. That's it from me this week. May the hunting gods be with you on your next adventure. Bye for now.